Section 32 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 3, Chapter 8. Susanna's Correspondence we let false whispers breeding hidden fears break gentle sleeps with mesmerized doubt susy came home still tired and dispirited she left the others to their cheerful interminable leave-takings down below and hurried up the stairs to her own room as she passed through the sitting-room she saw some letters lying on the round table and she carried them with her candle into her own room to read it was nearly dark the light was dying out of the sky and she untied her bonnet and sat down in the chair by her bedside with some sense of rest and peace the first letter was from mrs bolsover and in her own handwriting bolsover hall april twenty second my dear susanna we are all glad to think the time for your return is so near though i am afraid you will find us very humdrum after your foreign friends and amusements i only write to say that we are expecting you news concerning such old fogies as we are is generally nothing but a catalogue of ills more or less tiresome happily we are all much as usual with nothing more to complain of than when you left the place aunt fanny has been up in town and has brought back a couple of white rats which Frazee will approve of the squire is very well satisfied with his lambs and the look of the spring crops he goes over to the place on tuesdays and says all is as it should be he brings us back cartfuls of fruit and vegetables which the gardeners might otherwise appropriate our nephew charles has been staying with us and left us this morning he is thinking of trying for the civil service i was delighted to get your letter contradicting the unfavourable accounts which had reached us of his conduct in london and which as you know i never believed i was glad to tell him how completely you had justified him we are rather anxious at the last accounts from paraguay where my brother peregrine is now living the country seems in a very unsettled state he has written us a very long and no doubt interesting letter on the subject of the last ministerial changes there he promises to send us another box of curiosities before long pray remember us very kindly to your mother and her family give our fond love to joe and tempe and with a hug to the precious child believe me my dear susie ever your affectionate old sister-in-law caroline bolsover tell Frazee we shall be looking out for her by the end of the week and that we shall keep the rats till she comes for them the second letter was also stamped with the bolsover crest but it bore the london postmark and was directed in a dashing and blotted handwriting at which susy wondered as she opened it then she began to read attentively and having finished she read the letter through a second time and then still holding it in her hand she sat motionless trying to think to realize how much it might mean the words were simple enough and to the point d street soho april twenty third my dear mrs diamond many months have passed since i have troubled you either by writing or by coming when i last saw tempe i felt she would prefer that i should absent myself for a time 
I think, however, it will be better for all our sakes to get a definite understanding. My time at Oxford is at an end, and it is necessary to make some plans for the future. My Aunt Fanny has been in town, visiting Jamrak's and the spring exhibitions, and kindly exerting herself on my behalf. A former admirer, she tells me, has promised her to give me a nomination for the Foreign Office, and this, with what my uncle allows me, will enable me, I trust, to pay my washing bills, and to keep me not only in crusts but in cigars. My Aunt Caroline has also shown me a letter which you have been kind enough to write, contradicting a report which I never heard of till now, and which certainly confirmed my poor Uncle John in his prejudice against me. I will not dwell upon this unexpected eclaircissement, for which in this particular instance appearances were hard upon me. Other facts that I am heartily ashamed of now may not have reached his ears which would have undoubtedly seemed to him good reasons for opposing my marriage with my cousin tempy but at the same time i protest that i was hardly dealt with on the whole if he had lived i should have appealed once more to him to his sense of justice to his great affection for his daughter he's gone leaving you her guardian in his place and i come to you if you could see my heart you would understand that i am sincere you would see how truly i love her i also think that no one else could ever make me so happy as i could if she still loves me i will come at once and meet you anywhere you like to her i would rather speak than write meanwhile i only ask you to believe me i am yours very sincerely c p bolsover as susy sat there her mind was quickly made up something in charlie's letter rang true and seemed to find a ready answer to her feeling ah she knew now as she had never known before what it was to divide yearning hearts john would forgive her even if he did not approve but he would approve true himself generous considerate for others how could he not approve why should she mistrust his unvarying goodness as she sat there she found herself almost speaking almost appealing to her husband and a feeling of oneness with him in her wish to do right seemed to set her mind and her heart at ease her eyes filled with tears her hands trembled with excitement her dreams of the past and of tempy's future were not altogether dispersed by the voices coming into the next room joe and tempy having taken leave of mr bagginall had come upstairs after her it would have been a delightful day if it hadn't been for that tiresome monsieur du parc said tempy very loud and cheerfully drooping down once more on the red divan which she had left some eight hours before i can't think what susy finds in him he is a thoroughly disagreeable man and so are all his friends he has scarcely the manners of a gentleman do you think so joe i don't know i like him and i like his friends said joe lighting the candles they are rather tough to be sure all except monsieur Caron but i don't care so much about manners you like superfine cream-laid people like bagginall and charley joe said all this walking noisily about the room looking for matches soda water opening windows etc as people do after a day's absence mrs diamond likes them rough he went on without too much polish like me and du parc he looked up and stopped short for mrs diamond had come back she was there she had heard what they said she was blushing crimson and waiting in the doorway joe gave one glance at tempy then another at susy as she stood quite still looking down and nervously smoothing the ribbons of her cloak which she had not laid aside then he took up his hat 
and was preparing to go out again for an evening pipe in front of the house don't go yet joe said susanna in an odd voice i have something to say to you and tempy something which has been on my mind for some days tempy sat bolt upright on her sofa and wondered what on earth was coming monsieur du pare whom you dislike tempy so much said susy with a touch of severity in her voice which tempy had never seen before has done us a service for which we all ought to be grateful he has cleared away a cruel injustice do you not both remember the things which were said of your cousin charlie that sad time when he first spoke to your father they were all false monsieur max knows it was all untrue about the drinking your father never knew it and now i too have heard from charlie the letter was here when i came in tempy said susy trembling but recovering herself and speaking more quickly and looking very sweet it is for you to answer the letter i should no longer feel i was doing right if i continued to oppose your marriage i think i cannot say for certain but i think your father would agree to it now he used to say said susy turning to her stepson that her husband must be a good man joe a man to be trusted and that she could depend upon and surely charlie has proved himself faithful and to be trusted susy's voice failed her from sheer emotion and excitement her eyes were full of tears she felt terrified by the responsibility she was taking and yet she had no doubt in her mind she came up to the divan and sitting down by tempy in her excitement she caught her hand in both here but tempy started to her feet and shook off the gentle fingers which susy had laid upon her own the letter between them fell to the ground you will not oppose you want to get rid of me that is what you mean cried the girl in a sudden jealous fury speaking with volubility and vehemence you want to be free to marry that frenchman and you expect me to be grateful to him and to you for months and months you have looked on at my misery and now because that man tells you to change your mind to forget my father's wishes you you oh susy susy i don't know what i am saying said tempy breaking down suddenly flinging herself back upon the cushions and bursting into wild passionate sobs susanna sat scared terrified too deeply wounded to speak or to show any sign joe greatly embarrassed came forward and stooped to pick up charlie's letter which was lying at susy's feet you read it joe said mrs diamond in an odd chill voice you can show it to her when she's more reasonable you can tell her that i did not look on unfeelingly i have tried to be sincere with your father and his with his children tempy ought to trust me and to know that i have no secret reasons though i understand better than i did once perhaps what she has had to suffer as susy spoke the meaning of her own words seemed to overcome her she started up she was wanting to go back to her room to be alone to hide her agitation to rest from her fatigue and exhaustion of spirit her tears were gone but as she stood up suddenly everything became dim to her eyes in one instant life's perplexities joys and agitations ceased for susy diamond except indeed that in some utter depths of unexplored darkness something was still struggling amid strange and distant clangings and reverberations struggling and floating back towards life a something which became herself once more as susy opened her eyes to find herself in tempy's repentant loving 
trembling arms dabbed and fanned sprinkled and dribbled over by tears you de cologne and wet sponges jo was rubbing her hands wilkins was present susy found herself lying back in a chair by the open window the moon and stars were looking in at her a soft wind was blowing in her face the windows of the opposite balcony were lighted up a chance spectator in a white waistcoat leaning over the rails was watching the incident with interest this was the first trivial fact which impressed itself on susy's reviving senses another cup of water ma'am says wilkins sympathetically them expeditions is too much for her ah your colour is coming back let miss tempy fan you darling sweet susy whispered tempy in a tender voice like a child's treble oh my susy i nearly killed you well said joe who looked still quite white and frightened i thought you had tempy and no mistake end of section thirty two